0: All right, everybody. Well, welcome to Live From My Drum Room. It's a pleasure to see you all today, and uh, I'm very excited about today's guest. Really a treat. So please welcome my guest today, author of Charlie's Good Tonight, the biography on Charlie Watts. Please welcome Paul Sexton. Hello, John. Hi, Paul. Nice to see you, man.
1: Good to see you, man.
0: Uh, Thank you for being here today pleasure to great have pleasure, you
1: great pleasure uh, especially as we had such a lovely conversation uh for the book to which wow. anyone who doesn't know john was a a great contributor
0: thank you very much and i i you you uh you know you kind of beat me to it i was gonna thank you again uh for including me it was i i know you know this about me paul we talked a lot about this how much of a a fan i i am of charlie's and you know you know i i can call myself his friend and and it was such a huge honor to talk to you and to be in this great great book um so i thank you so much for that
1: well it's great pleasure you know it's just one of so many lovely conversations that uh that i had in in obviously very sad sad circumstances but um it it, it was amazing to um t- just to to see the, the the warmth and the 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 depth of people's feelings towards this this guy that we all yeah. loved
0: I remember the day we spoke and and uh you said something like um, you know I it was I it was so sweet you said not surprising um, there's been, no one said anything bad about Charlie, no. you know, there's, there's, it's going to be, and I think you said, it's going to be something like, you know, the, the most drama free yes. book because it, it's just all good. And of course, yeah. what else would it be? You well, know? that's right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was one of the early conversations I had with the publishers. I said, you know, there won't be any scandal at all in this, don't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, even the, uh, the, the little, you know, that unfortunate, um, the, 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 the sort of period where charlie did go a little bit off the rails as we know in the 80s um but that was all known about before and he was very open about it of course and so there was nothing nothing new or surprising there but um no what i it it turned out to be just um you know i think a nice opportunity for people to 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 pay their respects to him i I hope not in a bland way but um you know there's there's just so many warm stories yours and and so many others and and from the his band mates as well of course which is just lovely you know
0: yeah yeah i and i I wanted to mention that too that you know for anyone who hasn't read this book yet you I, you know I don't know what you're waiting for it's a <laughs> fabulous book and I can say that completely unbiased I mean it's if I hadn't met you Paul I'd have rushed out and and bought this book regardless well that's great uh, because to hear. it's yeah it's so great and it's so um you know it's I think I can use the term bittersweet because it's 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 uplifting and it you know there's so many places in the book where i'm i'm like laughing out loud at things that people say or that charlie said um it's, and at the same time you know the reality that he's that he's not with us but yeah that's right i mean that, um,
1: that is the only sad thing is that you know you, you know what happens you know that's the thing with it with it we, yeah. uh, we know the ending but um a friend of mine was sweet enough to say that uh you know he he enjoyed he enjoyed it like a novel you know as, as if um, you know as in a book that he didn't didn't want to end, you know as he as he sensed yeah. it getting towards the inevitable conclusion, you know
0: that's exactly how I felt, you know every time as I got closer and closer to the end, it was one of those things where. I'm like ah oh, i don't you know i mm-hmm. really don't want this to end you know um yeah. and and I, I love you know i think what's great about this book is the history that you had with charlie mm-hmm. um personally that that you were able you had all this axe acc- into the band yeah and again i'll say to anyone who hasn't read this book it's as it's as great for rolling stones fans as it is for charlie fans because there's so much of the rest of the band in here yeah that they generously gave you their their time and 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 uh contribute you know contributed to it yeah but you could you could tell i could tell that you and and charlie had a great rapport you know and, and the way that he opened up to you and the things that yeah you have it, in there
1: it, i i i think so yeah and it's one of those i mean i'm sure you found the same um you know it it took a while <laughs> um <laughs> to reach that 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 stage um and i think that's inevitable doing what I do for a living, you know, b- um, bands, especially, you know, m- mega successful bands are just inevitably wary of people like us, you know, um, because a band like the Stones has just been, you know, frankly, um, and to put it bluntly, they've kind of been screwed by everyone really at one, you know, yeah. media terms at some stage or another. So you have to kind of spend an awful lot of time pro- proving yourself. Um Good. To, to them. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I managed to, to, to do that to some extent, you know, quite a long time ago. Um, I first met Charlie in 1991. So, uh, and I think we probably, we, we, I, I kind of lost count, but you know, when I was kind of, um, documenting everything in preparation for the book, I, I counted a good dozen, um, interviews with, with him. Um, and of course, you know that's in addition to all of the the dozens more interviews with with the the rest of the band um, over all of that period, and still continuing to to this day. So there is, um, in addition to the, all the new conversations for the book, um, you know, there is an awful lot of the archive in there as well. Which you're right, it was it was lovely to have that to draw on, um, and to be yeah. able to add to it with these uh, you know very up to date um, observations of of him once he'd gone.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was it, it was it I think it all fit perfectly where um rather than only relying on, you know, anecdotal type um comments from, from his bandmates and friends mm-hmm. and family, you know, you had actual conversations with charlie that you could put in there that um yeah. it, it, you know it's so well done and...
1: yeah i mean i spent a lot of time doing um you know the, the, in addition to all of those things there's um, quite i drew quite a lot on on our, our other archive interviews especially from the early days you know um while well, they were still doing them of course you know i mean in later years they were not talking to the press anywhere near as much but certainly through the 60s um, there are some wonderful and, and often unintentionally hilarious interviews that Charlie gave to to Weekly <laughs> Music Press, and of course, the, you know, the, this is one of the great differences between um, the the, the our, our two countries. Is that you know, in the UK, the, the music press was always so important, um, mm. and it's it's my starting point as well. You know, that's how I kind of came through as a as a writer was um, was writing for one of those week uh, weekly music papers, and um, you know journalists in those days i'm i am I think whenever you start in this game you're envious of the people who were there before you <laughs> uh and i have a lot of people now younger people now who are like oh man i can't believe you you got to do what you did and the people you met but then i look back on some of those interviews that people or the access that people had in the 60s especially um and then sure. you know there's only yeah. really a few key writers really and they they really did get to know these you know their, their subjects extremely well and go to their houses and so on i've done that too but it's um you know it is one of those things that you have to really sort of um, as I say, prove yourself that you're um, kind of a little, a little different from some other <laughs> journalists, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, with with me and Charlie, it's interesting. I, uh, I I guess I sort of did prove myself, but it was probably a little easier because at the time i was working for zildjian and mm. i came bearing gifts you know well. I, I came bearing symbols and <laughs> my first foray into into sort of the introduction was uh sending him some really rare old vintage symbols from the 1940s that we had found yeah and through chooch mcgee um you know chooch rest his soul he he you know much like don mccauley i think don is the perfect guy mm. I, you know, I love Don and he's, he he reminds me of Chooch and his mannerisms and the way he handles things. And, but I went to Chooch and I, and I introduced myself and I said, I have these symbols. And he said, well, you know, write a letter and, and send it to me. They were recording at ocean way. This Mm is 1997. And, um, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the letter to Charlie and then we'll see where it goes. And so I, I wrote the letter, I sent it federal express Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, then I left for a trip for like a two week trip, a business trip. And then a couple of days into the trip, I called to get my voicemail and there was Charlie on my voicemail (laughs) saying, you know, this, I I still have the the message. I managed to save it. Yeah. And it's, you know, my name's Charlie Watts. I got a letter from you via Cheech (laughs) McGee. Um, I'd love to try, try these new, these old symbols out, you know, and then he left this detailed message about what he, what he's looking for. And then, you know, I did finally meet him a couple of months later and, um, and i and i do remember he was he was not guarded but chooch introduced me and he was very cordial and, mm. and, and and polite as he is and then he came back later to check on me it was at a sound check at uh, at, at giant stadium and um and he came back and you know you're all right and i said yeah great thank you you know it's mm. great, great to be here and then we talked a little bit more and they were coming to boston and i said you know there's a jazz show happening the night before your first Austin show mm. uh, with this great tenor player, Joshua Redman, and his drummer is a friend of mine and, and in long story short is Charlie and Huge came to the gig yeah. the night before at this jazz club. And that really kind of, I think I passed whatever test there yeah. might have been at that point.
1: Yes, yeah. that's right. I think yeah. it, perhaps a little, a little easier because, you know, inevitably um, my situation was always um, more formal because you know he was essentially being wheeled out for the interviews that he never wanted to do yes <laughs> so yeah yeah you, started, yeah you started from a disadvantage <laughs> because he just would rather be anywhere else know <laughs> than in that room yeah um but uh, yeah it, it, it over a long period of time um it, that that definitely improved and i you know i could tell we were getting on well and um of course, the trick was always to try and, you know, get what you needed about the new Stones album or tour or whatever, which he would just do under, under protest, really. And then <laughs> just, just divert the conversation into jazz, and then you're fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well,
0: you know, yeah, I was just going to say, knowing you how I, you know, the the way I do, I, I have to imagine that it didn't take long for him to really warm up to you, that he, you know, I mean, I what, what you see is what you get. You know, <laughs> you're, you're not, well, that's you very
1: know, kind. It, I mean, he. It, it's interesting. Actually, when I was doing the book, because Charlie's not one of those, uh, as you know. I mean, he's a, just just about the, the most, I would say, the most undemonstrative person you could, you know, possibly imagine. Just full of that classic English reserve. Um, yeah. And um, so we certainly never had a conversation along those lines. You know, I think it's just one of those things where you kind of figure with all of them actually. You think, well, I'm getting asked back again. You know, one once. So yeah. clearly, uh, I, you kind of take the compliment from from that. Um, but it wasn't until I was actually writing the book, and after he'd gone, that I found out actually from Don, uh, you know, who, who was again like yourself, was was a terrific help, you know, and 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 so um, uh, generous with his time and and information. Um, and he yeah. he he did say that um, apparently I was I was one of the one of the all right ones, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and he yeah, I
0: have to think so.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he I, I think that's the thing. He with with. Few exceptions. I think by the time he got into the you know that run of making um, records in his own name, you know the the the, the big sequence of of, of jazz uh, releases, um, interviews on that on that subject were, were fine. Um, but it's one of the things that I think people have found rather surprising about Charlie, who didn't know him um, through the book, is is really quite how much he um, di- didn't didn't buy into anything to do with the world of rock and roll. You know, and uh, in Mm -hmm. addition to which he would never really listen to a Stones track unless he absolutely had to or to approve a mix or something like that, you know, or or maybe one of the reissues. He would always say to me that, you know, the only time he actually enjoyed that side of it was when they were actually in the studio creating the thing. You know, he loved that, but he would never... This happens so many times with interviews because I I would normally be seeing them when you know the new album's about to be released or often I'd go to you know go and visit them in in rehearsals in, in in Toronto a few times and and elsewhere um, and uh, you, of course you've got to, you've got to start by talking about the new stuff you know and then maybe you're going to work it back into into a bit more history or other other subjects um, but you'd sort of say to him, you know well, that that lead track on Bridge to Babylon is really great isn't it and he said I don't know. Don't know because <laughs> he hadn't You <laughs> go, yeah.
0: <laughs> I oh, I know, and you know, and I'll tell you too. From a personal standpoint, I would. I, I think he he realized that when I would come, you know, the conversations that we had when we interacted, it was not for really any business corporate it was really a personal i was i think he realized truly how much of a fan i was and i really tried to keep that in check paul i yeah, tried to yeah, yeah. not geek out too much but but you know i would ask him questions about especially after i left Siljan like in the last 10 years we really got into some some deep conversations at a gig and i'd ask about do you remember the you know the snare drum you used on this track you know and you can picture that look on his face you go <laughs> yes. oh god John, i <laughs> I don't know i said do that's you think right. maybe it was a the Gretsch, you know metal snare
1: mm-hmm.
0: might have been you know yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's
1: right yeah, yeah. yeah. if you had been talking about you know the, the the snare on one of his favorite records by one of his jazz heroes you, you would have got it straight away of course you know right
0: yeah yeah that's of course one. i know but he um i know i know he was and you know it, people might think that that was sort of put on you know that that it's just the way, you know, some people might put, Oh, I, I don't remember that. It was so, you know, Mm. but he really didn't because I think he, I don't know. He was just so, uh, I, I don't know. I want to say it, so it doesn't sound unflattering, Mm. but I think he felt that what he did was not really that important or, 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 uh, significant I think yeah that's
1: right I mean He's so you, you humble. know there's that phrase that you hear a lot these days which is imposter syndrome and I, I don't I don't think it was quite that you know he um he would often denigrate himself you know he, in terms of his jam, in terms of his drumming abilities you know yeah. he, he would always talk himself down it was almost impossible to pay him a compliment I found you know because he would just f- swat it away you know um yeah but at the same time I don't think I, I never interpreted that as a lack of of confidence I think he you know he he had that he he knew who he was sure Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. he just didn't choose to go on about it the way that most people in this game yeah you know that's what made him stand out so much
0: yeah absolutely i I think you're right i think it's it's just pure humility Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like you said it wasn't a confidence thing it was just him being very sincerely humble about what he did
1: yeah that's right i mean the number of times you know i i've never had a conversation with keith in which he has not just almost sounded in awe of Charlie, you know, and just repeatedly yeah. told me how lucky he has been to, to be in a band with, with this guy. Um, and I do remember on one occasion I sort of relayed some of that to Charlie. You know, and I said, I think I <laughs> actually it was a radio radio program I was making for the BBC, one of many on the Stones. Um in which I actually talked to each of them about the others. So it was called the stones by the stones, you know, and it was like each of them talking about the other three. Um, <laughs> and so for the purposes of that, I said to Charlie, Keith um, thinks you're wonderful. And he went, really? When did you last talk to him? <laughs> 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 so, you know, uh, you, just, you just couldn't, you had no chance. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And I, I do want to, I, I, want to give a shout out she couldn't be watching today because we are live um thank nettie baker yes daughter of ginger baker who was the actual connector between you and i and yeah, i yeah absolutely myself. hi
1: and let if you're out there either yeah. now yeah
0: hi nettie thank you again yeah she's she's a sweetheart and, absolutely yeah and she's
1: another yeah. great help um you know and and really important because that relationship between um between her dad ginger and and charlie was uh, was you know really was a lifelong friendship
0: yeah yeah and you know i didn't realize it paul until um you you know you talk about it in the book the tribute we did when i was at zildjian to ginger baker Mm. and that was in 2008 and i think it was only leading up a year or two before that when we started planning it that i realized how i knew they knew each other Mm. charlie and ginger i knew they were friendly but i didn't realize how deep their friendship yeah. was and how far how far back it went that's
1: right i mean i think and, they met in yeah. uh, in 1959 i believe you know um yeah uh may well have been at the troubadour you know the the club in hell's court um so it's it, it's really you know not long after charlie has started um Getting on the circuit, kind of thing, you know, and playing, as he did, you know, there's that wonderful photograph. We had a lot of exclusive photos in the book, but one of the, one of them that had been seen before is that terrific photo of him and his lifelong other other lifelong friend Dave Green, uh, the the yes. lovely man and a, and a great double uh, bass player. Um, they're playing in a in a pub in uh, in Ealing in in North London, and uh, I think Charlie's eighteen at that point, so it's it's right around that time. Uh, yeah, you know, late fifties and he's looking, wow. not only I'm sure playing the part, but absolutely looking the part as well. Looking yes, incredibly dapper, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I've met Dave a couple of times mm-hmm. and you mentioned in the book, um, Dave mentions, uh, is talking about Steve Gadd coming to see Charlie. Yeah. And I, I was actually, so that if, if I believe it's the same, the same event, mm. um, we were just, we were doing this this tour of Europe with Steve Gad Zildjian was doing this thing called uh, Mission from Gad mm-hmm. and we were going to all these European cities and we right. were in Paris for a few days and I I planned it that way so that I knew that Charlie was there with the Boogie Woogie Band in mm-hmm. Paris and mm-hmm. and so we we went to the gig and um, uh, my wife was with me uh, the Steve's Tech Yard Gavrilovic and uh, two of my colleagues from Zildjian were there and and I just remember Charlie being a little bit nervous because steve was there he knew steve was coming and we went and saw him before the show and yeah. and he you know he'd always give me the sort of the sort of not stink guy but like and he'd say like, why do you why do you bring all these drummers to see me you know like <laughs> why do you, you know i brought peter erskine this you know renowned jazz drummer to yeah. ronnie scott's in yeah. 2004 when peter was in london while i was there and and he, you know, it was like, would you, would you have to bring him for, you know, I'm glad you're here, but why is he here? I but, know. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, he, he, yeah. he, he was, um, I, I, I always felt that there was a lot of, a lot of hero worship by him, you know, to his, his own jazz yeah. uh, favorites. I remember him telling me about meeting Chico Hamilton, you know, and he couldn't, <laughs> he could not believe it. This is somebody he'd been listening to since he was a kid, really, you know, yeah, and, and admiring yeah. from afar. And then they, not only did they uh, meet, but they actually recorded together, you know, and, uh, amazing experience for for that's that's never lost that humble quality which is so endearing and so rare you know to 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 have that as you said before you know that that level of humility it's quite yeah pretty pretty unique and he
0: you know he really seemed to um in later years um really embrace the idea of being uh you know i think for it seemed to me anyway for a long time he sort of didn't interact with a lot of these even though they were some were his heroes I think he just Mm -hmm. sort of kept to himself but I think he really like when when they'd come to New York to do a premiere for example for example he'd he'd call Chico Hamilton he'd call Roy Haynes or he'd ask me to contact some of the New York drummers to come to the premiere and Mm -hmm. and I thought that was great about him you know he he was um inviting them to shows and red carpet treatment and all that stuff yes exactly
1: and I think you're right he did get more sort of uh, confident uh, about that as as he went on, and he became, um, I suppose, you know, as as often happens, as he got older, he, you know, he developed that really sort of avuncular quality, didn't he? Um, yeah, you know, his, yeah. Uh, his, his, uh, it's partly a visual thing, you know. so it went grey, and then it went silver, you know. And um, his daughter, do- his granddaughter, Charlotte, had a lovely phrase, which I made a, made the most of in the book, which was that he had grandpa energy. Which, yes and yeah he said she yeah. said that he had that even when he was younger you know i mean uh that was just something that was that was was in him i think you know so that was really nice
0: yeah i i you know i've, I've met charlotte a few times and um the the you know like i'd I'd be sitting in his in his dressing room before a show and charlotte mm-hmm. would come in and he'd you know the this it was just i'm gonna get teary-eyed thinking about it because the love they have for yeah. each other was just so beautiful
1: it's just... incredible yeah and um oh, you know, th- this was something you know i can't say state t- t- too strongly how how wonderful his family have been mm. to me you know and in in the creating of the of the book because this is an important point you know much as i was well known i guess within the stones organization and uh, and and with the band um i'd never met his his family and mm. um you know obviously there are people who can kind of <laughs> vouch for what you do but really you again it's a question of sort of proving yourself or, or maybe selling yourself a little bit and they were so warm and so um giving with, with the time and, and and their memories and so on and this is you know the, they are as a family they're incre- as you know i mean they're incredibly private you know every bit as yeah. much as charlie was so for them to open up to me for that and then to to give the 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 Uh, the approval which i was the thing i i wanted and needed to have you know to make it an effective book um was was really something and um just the stories that flowed back and forth between you know, other people in, in on the team. the knew him and the family over the years. Tony King, a very important guy, whose whose own book is just out, by the way. For anybody who wants an amazing story oh, great. about the entire history of pop and rock, really, because um, Tony <laughs> is uh, one of the true characters of this business, and um, you know, pretty much contemporary of, of the Stones. So, and he knew them, and he knew Charlie and uh, and Shirley, you know, very early on um yeah so he had some some lovely uh stories about um you know how charlie would uh, would would just when um shirley came on the tours occasionally which she did from time to time you know he would just kind of light up and, and be, be so much happier and then the same thing would happen with Serafina when she started coming out his daughter um, and then the same thing again with Charlotte, which is one of those things that just emphasizes yet again the incredible sort of generational quality, you know, multi generational nature of the yeah. band. You know, you've got literally generations of people sort of following each other into these roles. And um uh, yeah, uh, Don had a lovely story about uh, I think one of the last times that Shirley did come out, you know, to see to see Charlie or to see the band and to see Charlie play. And uh, you know, he just said uh, he. he 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 was just so happy, and he said he couldn't he couldn't take his eyes off her, which is just the sweetest thing uh, ever, isn't it? <laughs>
0: it sure is. Yeah. It's just yeah, Amazing. so beautiful. And and you know, there's like as you say, there's so many um, great stories and quotes in there from Tony. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I wondered, there's one where he he, <laughs> I wondered if if he's talking about him and Charlie are uh, he's they're at a at a show and a friend comes to see charlie and 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 it, i think you quoted it as saying uh or maybe tony said something like charlie obviously liked this person he was a friend or something right. and then when the person left he said lovely guy shame about his shoes <laughs> and i thought he i wonder if he was talking about me <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, i'm because, sure he wasn't i'm sure he wasn't uh, i don't know I, yeah.
0: I i would think it's the funniest thing because i always you know when i got to know charlie i i was always self-conscious about like Wearing the right jacket, yes, the right right. Shirt, yeah,
1: the yeah. right
0: and and I I never really probably had the right shoes even when I spent some money on some what I thought decent shoes. Yes, <laughs> you know as mean? well, we're talking yeah. about not, Charlie. Not all
1: of us had quite the uh, the sort of spare cash <laughs> to spend. out that he would, <laughs> as, as you know. I spoke to his his tailor and his shoemaker for the book, so that was that was important. When you mentioned Tony, I thought you were going to um, say the other one of my favorite stories in the book, and again, it was from Tony King. Was um, uh, you know because he knew them so well and and had and saw the whole evolution of this band right away you know from from the early days onwards um and just saw the craziness and how everything just completely exploded you know and uh he he sort of we were talking about Charlie's modesty and he agreed he agreed with that but he said there were times where he could get a little you know a, a little um full of himself perhaps and yeah uh, he, he told the story about uh, um him coming home, this was probably around the late 60s, I think, uh, you know, Shirley, Charlie's wife, told yeah. me, um, I think probably in a letter, in the way that people used to write letters in those days. Um, yeah. She said, Charlie came home the other day all full of himself about me being a member of the Rolling Stones. So I made him clean the oven. Made <laughs> it <laughs> Just... <laughs> 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 my favorite story i think (laughs) Uh,
0: i can i can picture it too i know know. oh my god yeah that's yeah that's right yeah Uh, i know
1: he was as we know he was a he was a very domesticated guy um yeah you know he'd get home from these ridiculously long tours of course in the old days and and then i mean within two days he'd be under shirley's feet and she'd be telling him to go and do something else (laughs) (laughs) it's time to go
0: back to work yeah go back to work oh my god (laughs) yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, there were some exactly hilarious stories like that in there. and again, you know, only you could could you know get that sort of access to these people that to make this. And I and I, I wanted to talk about that too. The fact that you know, I I think what's so great about this book, and I'll hold up the book again for everybody to see, is that it is an authorized. I mean, it's it's sanctioned by the family, mm. by his friends, by the members of the Rolling Stones. Mm. So you know everything it's it's all true stories you know it's not some writer just kind of rehashing things that he's Mm. heard and read and Mm. um which is just it's so great it's so great yeah I guess
1: thank you I mean it is kind of horse's mouth stuff yeah you know and um uh, we said at the beginning but um to to be able to kind of top up all of this amazing experience I've been so lucky you know to, to meet these guys and and so many artists on on that level Um, to be able to sort of refresh that with, with new material. And um, I mean, it's just sad the circumstances of it, of course, but uh, I think they seized the opportunity, you know, to sort of just to, to, to explain to people um, how much they love this guy, you know, and um, Mick in particular, I think, uh, you know, some people have been um, surprised to find that, you know, I mean, Mick can, can sometimes come across as a little, um, not lacking in emotion, but just, um, he reins himself in quite quite strictly I always think you know and and the 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 contribution that he made to to, to this book was so generous and uh um, yeah you know far more there's always going to be an element with any interview situation of just doing whatever is required you know and that and then that that may be it um but he really went the extra distance um uh, on this you know because I know I could sense that he knew it was important um and that it would be seen you know as a as um as his own reaction to uh to to his friend and how how much he misses him you know
0: yeah well said i was i was going to comment comment on that as well that um i don't know that i've ever read anything with so much of mick um you know being a part of it something that's about mm-hmm. somebody else mm-hmm. you know and and, yes and you know so generous and and Keith as
1: well and that's right yeah yeah I mean maybe yeah. it's one of those people and I, I've noticed this a lot over over you know my many decades of, of interviewing uh, famous people is that um if you have and these opportunities are, are relatively rare because we're all doing you know our work and we're, we're talking about whatever the new project is um but if you do have the opportunity to talk to someone uh, uh, like that about someone else or a different subject, those often are the best conversations you know because they're not on the clock it's not the the regular kind of routine of pro, promotional conversation um I remember one time another time yes another um BBC radio uh, show that I, a documentary series that I was making about James Brown um and I knew I needed Mick for that um because you know he was so hugely influenced by by him in every yeah. way um and this was a long time ago and it was in the days when you were actually still allowed you know from a sort of audio quality point of view we still occasionally would run, would run things as a, as a phone in just a regular phone phone interview um and th- they were on tour you know i mean this is supposedly completely off limits you know you really would be very rare for, to get the opportunity to, to talk to the stones um as a journalist uh, while they're actually on the road um although i did do that again for this for this book of course but um we yeah. had just the most brilliant conversation about about James Brown he really opened up about how important he was and how he would still to this day would still listen to live at the apollo before he goes on stage just to get in in the in the zone you know um, wow and yeah. that ha- that's how many times, I mean, Elton's another one of those, you know, you get talking about, about old soul records with him and, you know, Garnet Mims or whoever, Don Covey or someone, you know, and he's off, you know, and he's, he's away. Yeah. just, yeah. And then you remember that these guys are just like anybody else, really guys and girls, you know, they're just like anybody else. And they started out as massive music fans and it's still there, you know, they're still, and they're yeah. still, if you catch them on the right, the right moment and you have the opportunity, um, you could just have some wonderful conversations
0: yeah and and the subject matter really resonates with them as well and, mm-hmm. and as you say, and in this case with with it being Charlie, you know Mick, I'm sure was more than forthcoming with um and 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 that's a good point that you make too, that because it's it's you started the book, I mean the band was gearing up to tour for mm. everybody who doesn't remember um Steve Jordan had been brought in to to be a temporary yeah. uh substitute until charlie was well enough to join the tour mm-hmm. and and then we lost charlie and then how how soon um did you kind of start writing the book
1: well you know, I, charlie... i'll tell you the just the sort of potted history of it john is is that um the initial discussions about the project were were while charlie was still with us and and uh, briefly what happened and i'm again i feel so lucky because I I was approached and it wasn't a question of me going to to a publisher with with the idea um uh, the guy who became my publisher at HarperCollins um saw a, a, a article that I'd written about the stones for the Sunday Times one of many again um and I think it was probably around the time of the uh the, the Goatshead goat's head soup reissue you know they've done those those many deluxe sort of repackages of, of some of the classic albums. yes um so i interviewed the whole band for uh for that uh, not charlie on on that occasion um he he managed to get a, a, a day pass you know a, a, away <laughs> for that one um but uh certainly the others and i don't know if you remember that uh, jimmy page was um, was on one of those tracks that they they completed the track scar yes uh, so That's I threw right, in yeah. for it and wrote a feature um which ran on the on the cover of the of the Sunday Times culture section and um Joel the 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 publisher saw it and made contact with me and uh, said we know we would very much like to do a project with Charlie and I said well so would I um but only if it's approved you know having having worked closely with him for this amount of time I wasn't going to do anything that was not didn't have um some kind of seal of approval um but yeah the initial idea would have been for him he and I to work together on, on his autobiography. Um, and we did just, you know, we, we developed that idea for a while. Um, and I don't think this is just with hindsight because I remember thinking even at the time that this, this idea didn't, it wasn't really sitting right with me because the fact is he would never Mm. have done one, you know, um, with, with all of the modesty that we, that we've been talking about, it's just something that would, would, would never have, um, appealed to him. Um, And actually I think would have been quite hard to do because of just how reticent he could be. And, you know, I mean, he had just Mm -hmm. in terms of less so in, in, in a regular, um, just conversation between two friends, but certainly in an interview situation, his, his speech was often quite sort of staccato and he would, he would hesitate in the middle of a sentence sometimes, you know, and I know that would have made, made that project quite hard, even if he had wanted to, to, you know, talk about himself, which he just never did. Um, So you know that idea idea sat there for for a while, and I guess eventually you know he um, he he was I, I forget the exact chronology of it, but he was getting poorly, and um, by then the idea had sort of morphed into um, the the possibility of a an approved biography. Um, I see, and that's what I what I uh, uh, pursued, you know, and um, the actual. As always happens in the world of the, of the stones, it's, you know it's, it's the classic sort of hurry up and wait situation, mm-hmm. and an <laughs> awful lot of talking about it, and then suddenly a deadline, you know, and a great, a great yeah. sort of uh, panic <laughs> to, to get it done. But in a way, I mean, you know, I'm no, I'm no good without a deadline anyway, like a lot of journalists, and um, it sort of just focused the whole thing nicely in a way, and uh, I kind of got the band at the, at the pretty much the last possible moment that, that we not not the last possible moment, but they were already on the tour, you know, on the sixty tour um yeah. and I had been thinking well this is going to get this is going to be tough now you know but they re- they made it happen and um obviously the, you know all of the other pieces were in place by then um yeah and Mick and Keith were, were were incredibly gracious to allow me to use parts of those conversations for the forwards um which you know made the publisher very happy of course <laughs> and, sure uh, no I yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah I mean it's 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 all everything aligned you know mm. as i think as perfectly as it possibly could have really right? i think so I mean,
1: yeah and there is i mean just from a yeah. very selfish point of view you, all the time you're working on it you're thinking i really hope nobody else gets is doing this as well or gets to it first but then i knew that they would not have that level of approval you know that right there'd been one or two other frankly not very good books about about charlie over the years you know but um it is amazing that i don't think anyone had ever actually even um attempted the idea of of, of this kind of a book i suppose because that is a reflection of just how how private he was, and how you know access to him would be relatively uh, rare. You know, so again, it's just yeah. I, I just feel so privileged to have been in that position.
0: Well, you know, I, I, an example of what you're talking about. We talked about the tribute to Ginger Baker mm. that we did in 2008. Yeah, that's and right. You're in the
1: book talking about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, I had talked to Charlie about doing it, and uh, you know, initially he was open to discussing it uh didn't give any sort of commitment to doing to Mm -hmm. being honored as we honor ginger um and we were talking to ringo and the idea was you know charlie ringo ginger uh and and mitch mitchell even possibly but Mm. those three and ringo and charlie were doing like a little number on me where one would say um if Charlie does it maybe Ringo would say if if Charlie's going to do it maybe I'll do it right. and and Charlie would say what's Ringo if Ringo's <laughs> thinking of doing it and and ultimately I think both of them were to your point mm. not really comfortable you know and at first I I I didn't quite understand it but then I got it I mean I realized these are are you know um English gentlemen that mm. have have never really wanted to have a fuss made about them That's right um yeah and and charlie i i know much better knew much better than Mm. ringo and i knew that was a a, as you say a real thing it was a sincere trait about charlie was he he was not comfortable with all that sort of attention and but he was but i will say he he was i I had asked him um would you come and come to the event if you're in town and present the award to ginger and Mm. and he said i'll do that and Mm. and 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 that was wonderful because it meant so much to Ginger. Of course. You know, and it, it was a
1: way for him to... Yes, that's right. Yeah. And didn't you tell yeah, me that he yeah. had a whole thing ready to say and then he kind of forgot it all and just said...
0: He, he did. Word, yeah, he or, came up. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, he came up on stage and of course the crowd went bananas when yeah. he walked on stage. Yeah. And he looked incredible in this, you know, black suit with a white shirt. And I was wearing a sort of similar uh, black jacket, black mm. pants. I think I might've had a darker shirt. And I said i said something like when he got there i said charlie you you look fantastic and he said can't go wrong with a black suit and a white shirt i mean it was like so you know yeah he said you know you you, it it's never you know it never fails but yeah i will yeah i will say this and i without making a i might have told you this story paul when we were when we spoke the first time but um you know, Ginger was, was having a bit of a tough time that night. You know, Mm. he was, he was having a lot of back pain and, and, uh, you know, he was, he was glad he was being honored. He was excited to be there, but it was a, a a difficult, that moment just before the the event began was a little bit difficult. So I, I got him to the venue and Charlie was due to arrive at 7 PM. And, Mm. and Ginger was a little, anxious and so we're sitting in his dressing room and then i had word that charlie was there so i met him at right at seven on the button brought him to ginger's dressing room and ginger was immediately at ease mm. and the two chatted for an hour and in the dressing room and laughed and told stories and yeah and then when yeah and then when charlie at one point said i should go say hi to jack bruce and some of the other guys but, that, that are here you know I, I should go and i'll be back later or something and ginger turned to me and said thanks, John.
1: He said, <laughs> Charlie's a great guy. You know, it was
0: beautiful. It was Absolutely. beautiful. Cause I was, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. Really I mean, it's, it's a
1: fascinating that. relationship because, because as Nettie um, points out in, in the book, you know, you couldn't have two more different people. I mean, you know, she, she's very aware of her father's reputation, you know, and as uh, not always the sweetest uh, disposition out there. And, and Charlie, yeah. you know, was the sweetest guy ever. So, you know, it's amazing that they, they they kind of travelled along those two sort of parallel lines for all those decades, you know. And
0: um yeah,
1: uh, but it a funny relationship, you know. And Charlie one time said, um, you know, that uh, he I guess he went to see, I think he went to said he went to see Ginger on his on his ranch or something, and said, I'll give you tickets for, to come and see the the gig, but I know you wouldn't come. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: quite right. <laughs> I know, I know. And Ginger probably said to him, you know, you're right, Charlie, I won't. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, that's right. He wouldn't like, I know. Would have been no politeness about it, you know, or pretending. Yeah. Oh, you know, maybe I will. It was like, No, you're uh, right. I'm I'm not coming.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I will say I I knew Ginger um I'd say thirty years and uh nineteen eighty nine. Right. You know, right up until he passed yeah. away in two thousand nineteen and um, he was always sweet to me. And even under circumstances where I know he was, you know, the during that event, there were some moments and other times, you know, where we'd see each other and it was, you know, he might be pissed off at, I saw him at a club one time and he was pissed off at the sound guy, the monitor guy, but, but, you know, then he'd go, you know, thanks. You know, hi, John, yeah. you know, like he, but he would, he would find a way I, you know, I, I could never... I could never say that Ginger, uh, I ever had any bad no. moments with well, him. Well, I think,
1: yeah, you know, that, that's your compliment, you know, it's in the same way that for me, it, it's, uh, you know, it may be a relatively small thing, but um, uh, it, it just proves you, you, you're doing something right. And I think he, he is one of those people that clearly didn't suffer fools. and. You know, yeah. again, did not like the interview situation. I'm sure, and boy, did he get asked some stupid questions. You know, so you can kind of understand. <laughs> if you're a little fiery of temperament, you can sort of understand why he would lose it sometimes. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, I know. Yeah, he he was, um, and I and I, you know, as, as I said to you in the book too. I think, you know, Ginger. I think he he respected Charlie, and I think he he respected the fact that charlie was so respectful of him mm-hmm. you know charlie was so uh genuinely complimentary and and respectful yeah. of ginger and he made a point of saying it and and that i want i think it went a long way for ginger to, yeah i think so. to feel yeah. that yeah. respect and, and, and also
1: yeah. you know you, you, uh, you see this happen as well don't you that you know you have um r- friendships that have lasted that long um back to before the person was was world well famous, you know. So, and this is the same thing right. with Dave Green. You know, they grew up together in the famously in the in the prefab housing in in Wembley. You know, from when they were uh, you know, really just after the war. Um, so, it's not a question of which does often happen, doesn't it? Of um, people just surrounding themselves with uh, with yes men and women or, or sycophants. You know, this is uh, I think it, I think it appealed to Charlie the idea that he had these two, and I'm sure there were others, but those two particular close friends who'd been with him, you know, the whole way, you know, right. way, way before anybody knew who he was, you know, that's, and had never changed, you know, um, Yeah. um, yep. and had a similarly, you know, grounded view of, of the world, um, which is rare, isn't it? In our game.
0: <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. And, and I, and I exactly, and I took from that, especially with Dave, um, this, you know, not surprisingly, this tremendous loyalty that Charlie has, mm. for his old friends. You know, his 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 first bandmate. You know, next door yeah. neighbor, yeah. Um, and all these. You know, he's now in a position financially where he could, you know, basically, uh, you know, rent out Ronnie Scott's for a week yeah. and and hire a band to come in and play and right. and pay the band, you know, handsomely sure. and and just yeah,
1: just yeah. That's it. I mean, and it's uh, you know th- this. His generosity became such a recurring feature of all of the new interviews for the book, and and some of the old ones as well. You know, the previous conversations um, that I made a chapter of it. You know, as, as you saw, I, I have a few um, little spin-off chapters which come away from the main sort of chronological narrative um, uh, to, to sort of just throw a bit of light on other aspects of, of Charlie's life and and character and his generosity. It is one of those, you know, because it's just re- so many stories about, you know, the amazing gifts and thoughtful presents that he would give to people. Um, so that was one. Um, his collections, of course, was a was a, uh, a a chapter all all of its all of its own. Um, his his marriage, you know, to, to Shirley, lasted of fifty seven years, you know, that's that's that was a chapter on its own. So, um, and I called each each of those little little um, chapters were called was called Backbeat. That was a sort of United mm-hmm. the phrase for you yeah. because it was to, to take you just away for a little bit and then you come back to the main the main story, you know. Because again, one of the things I said early on with the with this project was, I mean, you could probably imagine it, once people began to notice how many how many interviews I i was doing with with the stones, um, long time ago, you know, would have been the first time somebody said, you know, why don't you do a book? And I always said, Well, no, the world doesn't need yet another book on the Rolling Stones. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Probably thousands of them, actually, um, mm. and I kind of stayed s- stayed true to that until this very specific um, opportunity came around. You know, uh, and I didn't want it to be another history of, of the band. It, it's kind of it, the, the Stones are obviously a constant part of the story, um, but I would hope that it's the Stones through his eyes, really. You know, and then it's not just that. Of course, it's it's uh, every other aspect of of, of his life. Uh, of which the stones was an important part, but certainly not the only part, you know?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And I, and I, I'd be remiss to not mention, um, it's so great that, that Bill Wyman was such a, a big contributor yeah. as well. And, and, uh, you know, not enough, I feel like there's just not enough said about Bill. Sure. And there's a great, uh, quote in there i i guess that if i remember this correctly that bill relates to you that charlie said to him mm-hmm. charlie rang him from south america one time yeah. after a gig in the middle of the night or something and yeah. bill says where are you i'm in because you know <laughs>
1: bolivia but yes Buenos Aires or something and he, he
0: he said something like i was listening to some of the old records or something and
1: you were you were." you were a good bass player yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it never occurred to him before or something. That's ridiculous. Uh, but actually, that I, does prove to you how, how rarely he played the records, you know? Right. Uh, I know. I remember I know. going out it's to just... interview them once, one time in, uh, I d- I mean, this is the thing that, you know, especially getting, getting, having been doing this for, for so long, you know, some of the locations kind of blur together a little bit, um, but it would have been the beginning of, it. I think it might've been in, in, it wasn't one of the American trips. It might've been in, um, in holland i think actually on a european tour um uh. and there was a new set of reissues it was i think this was, this was still in the C, very much the cd era mm. um and um i just took copies of them out you know because i i'd been given them and i thought you know here's these are old abco 60s uh reissues and um he just immediately started talking about bloody alan klein you know <laughs> <and said> like, <laughs> <laughs> bloody alan klein <laughs> but uh, but of course if you give him a record and i did this once as well you know if you give him a record by somebody else one of his heroes then now you're talking you know this is a whole different. yeah
0: (laughs) oh that's yeah exactly i i um i i don't know if when we spoke that that first time if i told you that story when we were talking you were talking about his his um his his shoemaker and his shirt Mm. maker he he took me to both of them right um Yeah, I think I told you that
1: story when we had tea at Woolsey. Yeah, worth retelling for sure.
0: Well, it was, and it's, I, you know, it was, it was right up. It was about this time. It was March of two thousand eight, and I know this because I was in London for this event that we did every year just before the big Frankfurt music mess Mm -hmm. trade show they have, Um, and that was that's typically in March, and uh, so I had a couple of days off between the event that that we had done and before I left for Frankfurt, and. We had lunch at uh, what I I can't remember the name of the place. I'm sure you know it in in Chelsea, mm-hmm. not far from his flat. We right. cause, because we went there afterward. Yeah, but we had lunch with um, Sherry Daly mm-hmm. from the office, mm-hmm. um, and and then after that, Charlie said, "I have some errands to run." Do, you know, what do you have to do now? And I said, "I'm I'm free. I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything." So we walked up along um, along Hyde Park, yeah, up to Piccadilly and. And we went into the shoemaker and the yeah. shirt maker, and i 've told this story on these on these shows before, but um it was a surreal moment for me and and just that uh you know he he was letting me into this world that I was yeah. aware of paul but but i would have never as a as a teenager <laughs> you know worshiping my favorite drummer would have never imagined i'd be and we have, we're having this really great conversation about. Jazz drummers and and uh you know guys like Gene Krupa and Max mm. Roach. And mm. and as we're walking along Hyde Park, this man comes walking toward us. Uh, probably somebody about my age, you know, at the time. And and he comes walking and his eyes sort of kind of went like went wide, and he went, It's it's you. <laughs> and Charlie, and Charlie kind of nodded his head and said, Hi, how are you? And I think he might have shaken his hand, and then we just kept walking. And I thought <laughs> he did that so perfectly he he acknowledged the guy he yeah. didn't ignore him, but he but he just sort of kept going you That's know right. just sort of hi you know and kept going and i i think he later said something like i i thought he was talking to you and
1: I, you know <laughs> that was
0: just the you know his humor and yeah then,
1: it's a nice way of putting you at ease though isn't it you know uh, oh yeah i suppose yeah. That, you know the, then, even though he would have cho- not chosen to be in those sort of situations being in that in that band for that long you would have to develop some sort of mechanism to deal with that wouldn't you you know to, otherwise you'd yeah. go mad i think and yeah uh, you know this exactly. is somebody who um as people said to me you know and i saw it in action you know that until really the last few years he would just walk out of the hotel on, on his own no security you know and just he was a great walker wasn't he and you know didn't yes. sleep too well he'd go out in the middle of the night sometimes you know and, um just sort of wander <laughs> about and uh it's, you know he was so hilarious about technology as well i'm sure you found that you know he just yes. um yes. yeah just hated it all really
0: um he did there, there was one tour where he tour where he had a mobile phone i want to say it was 2006 right. because i i did have the number mm-hmm. and and i would call him and he would he would answer it oftentimes right and then he told me later that he would never do that again like he yeah people people kept calling him i know
1: yeah when when, <laughs> when they came out you know when mobiles were fairly new i remember he said to me um he said i don't know i don't know what mick would do without a mobile i cannot stand them. <laughs> <laughs> i mean they, they, they divide it into two camps of stars because keith is a similar level of technophobia yeah. you know keith who, who once said yeah i, I talk about computers he said i don't do mice <laughs> 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 i do <need> mice
0: <laughs> keith is one of the funniest he's just people i've I, I oh think my he, god he yeah.
1: is the most quotable um uh, rock star i've ever ever met he's you know um, the only other person that comes close from a completely different line of uh, world of music in terms of being utterly quotable uh, as in you can use pretty much every word they say um, people may be surprised or people may may identify with this is Dolly Parton she's fantastic wow. you know she's just I made a, I remember again making a radio show um with her one time um where uh you get your allotted time. And this is frustrating with Dolly because you can be, you can be doing, you, can, you know, you're having a great chat, but sh- there is always the guy who comes in and does the, you know, the sort of, um, yeah, times up or it will be in one minute, whatever, you know, and kind of stands there hovering over you, you know, for you to wind it up. Um, but I did the interview, came home and, uh, and the, 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 uh, commissioning editor at the, at the BBC, said to me, how did it go? I said, great, fantastic. And he, he, we had slated it for a one-hour programme. And when I told him how great it was, he said, great, let's do, let's do two hours. And you're thinking, that's going to be really hard because I just haven't got enough stuff. But the beauty is, you know, half an hour with Dolly or Keith – it is like an hour with anybody else because there is no wastage, <laughs> There's nothing. There's no you know no fat there uh, whatsoever. Um, so uh, you, I, I literally kind of used every word. I think you know. So yeah, I yeah. I I had a
0: couple of great quotes from Keith just in the few times that I met him. And mm. I remember at a at a rehearsal. This would have been you know twenty years ago. And mm. and uh, Charlie introduced me. I'd met him once before, and he reintroduced me. So, remember John from Zildjian, mm-hmm. and, and 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 Keith said zildjian heavy duty turkish works (laughs) and and i wrote it down it was just you know heavy oh yeah heavy duty turkish works and then the the um this would have been 10 years ago when they were at the um just ahead of the 50 and counting tour Mm -hmm. when i'd i'd just left my post at zildjian i went down to to the show and i was with charlie and max weinberg and uh and Keith came over and, and they were chatting. And again, Charlie introduced me and I said, mm. and this was December of, of 2012. And I said, um, happy early birthday. I said, we actually share the same birthday, December right. 18th. And he, and his eyes kind of, he went, he said, you and me and Bobby Keys.
1: Bobby Keys, he said, that's
0: right. Yeah, and he said, Sagittarius, half man, half horse, <laughs> licensed to shit on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Again, oh. and I'd, I'd read that or heard that in other places where he had said that, but yeah. I, I
1: got it. You know, he's just he, wonderful, isn't it? He's incapable yeah, of saying anything just... boring. That, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a love of language. Actually, it's an, it, it's, people don't yeah. make enough of this with with him. You know, because there's still there are, some of this has been dispelled now, thank goodness. But there are still people who think you know, just kind of bought the 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 legend or the, the caricature or whatever, you know, and don't realize what an incredibly intelligent and well-read man oh. Keith is, you know, um, Charlie as well. Actually, they all are. Um, yeah. And how, uh, you know, he just, even if he's telling you something relatively mundane, he'll say it in an incredibly entertaining way, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: well, uh, the, you know, the, the end of that, the story of, of me spending that day with him on Piccadilly mm. at, at, um, uh, Oh gosh, the two uh, Burlington Arcade right. and the other. Um,
1: yes, um, yes, yeah, Abel Road. Yeah,
0: yeah, so so we so it's the it's a, like four in the afternoon, and he's like, so you know. W- do you have to be anywhere now? And I said, mm. No, I'm Charlie. I'm just up the road on Regent Street, mm-hmm. you know. And and uh, he said, Well, you know, how about a how about a coffee? And I said, Great. Mm. And there's like a Starbucks up ahead. And we went. no, nah, we don't want to go to Starbucks. Right. And we had walked by the Woolsey earlier, and he had commented that they were going to be celebrating Serafina's fortieth birthday there. Yeah. Um. In a in a couple of weeks. Oh, my
1: oh, producers joined the conversation, by the way. So, yes. so is he is he giving is he giving appearance. me the one minute? <laughs> yeah, he's, doing the, he's doing the dolly thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, So, so we, we, we walk inside the, the, uh, the Woolsey and, and it's like a Friday afternoon and I'm thinking it's four o'clock, it's going to be empty, you know, and the place is just packed, mobbed. right And uh, so we walk up to the hostess and Charlie says, you know, two for tea. Mm. And this young woman says, um, it's going to, it's about a 30 minute wait. And we both, I kind of thought, well, okay, it's been a fun day. I guess it's over now. We turn around mm-hmm. to leave mm-hmm. and this gentleman comes out of nowhere right. and takes us both by the shoulders, like right this way, gentlemen, you know, and, <laughs> and, and magically a table appears Yes. and Charlie turns to me and said, they must know who you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> lovely. And it, yeah, lovely, it was it? just, you know, Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Just
1: a, a kind of old fashioned, um, it, it's good manners, really, isn't it? Because it's putting your putting your guests at at, at their ease, you know. Yeah, love it. He
0: he was so good at that. I I I just have to tell you one more funny thing that I I know you'll appreciate knowing Charlie's humor. It was sometime after that I was I was back in London, and my wife and I it was on a Saturday, and we were down at Portobello Road, which is you know we like to go there sometimes mm. and do a little shopping. for people who don't know, it's a big outdoor shopping place market. Yeah. Uh, market yeah pretty raucous Mm. so i and and charlie charlie had said um you know when you come to london he'd always say you know ring me when you get here and if i'm around we can have lunch so Mm. i i called him and i said um charlie i got into town you know last night i'm here for a couple of days if you know maybe we can grab lunch and he he could hear all the noise and he said where are you (laughs) and i said oh i'm at portobello road he said oh god i hope you get out alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I still i still laugh to this day at that
1: <laughs> yeah probably not his sort of thing although actually the stuff you know in terms of um collectibles that would have been up his very much up his street but yeah would have wanted something it, a bit more private wouldn't <laughs>
0: yeah i could i could picture him you know thinking of this crowded place with yeah. people you know buying these trinkets and him going oh god you know that's but, right
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah, i suppose in yeah. later years he had people to um to, to look out for things for him you know I had lots of good stories about that um yeah, uh, yeah you know and finding very specific things for particular people you know uh for for birthdays and christmas and so on um bill had some lovely stories about that you know about the amazingly expensive presents that charlie used to buy him in the years after bill had left the the, the stones you know and charlie um would always say that he felt he felt sorry for, for Bill that he never really made the big money that they, that they they all went on to make you know in the in the yeah. real sort of stadium years um but uh, you know Bill knew when it was time to leave he just uh, he he wanted to do other things you know and uh, and and then he would come Charlie with these incredible sort of christmas presents or whatever you know sort of uh, uh, prehistoric uh, finds that he would I know extraordinary stuff
0: that was beautiful. When I read that, I, you know, and it, it was so great for me, being a lifelong Stones fan, mm-hmm. life, lifelong Charlie fan, to to discover things in this book that I, I think I will bet a lot of people don't know. And, and no, I mean, people have been
1: very kind about, about yeah. that, and, and that has been a recurring um, comment, you know, that uh, people who thought they knew uh, a lot about the Stones, um, that it's surprising how a lot of these things have never really been reported about Charlie. They're just little. Quirks of his character, aren't they? You know, they're 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 yeah. not controversial in any way, but they are often very endearing. I think, and give you, I hope, give you a, a you know more of a, a rounded picture of him as a as a human being rather than just a, a sort of drum drum drumming figurehead. You know, which obviously he was as Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I you know, and I'll, I'll just say that, um you know, on a personal note, I I. I never even thought, as a kid, I'd ever have the chance to meet him. You know, I Mm. I dreamed of meeting him as a kid, and you know, they they say you know the old expression, "Never meet your heroes," but you know, I mean, it's it's Charlie was the uh, you know just the 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 kindest, nicest, greatest person. You know,
1: absolutely put him right up there with. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think you know, it's a it's a, again that there is a a compliment in there for for anyone who, who who got close to him because these kind of guys they're so used to hero worship you know and they're so used to people just completely losing it when they are in front of them um if you a lot of it is to do with just just keep calm and uh, carry on you know and just <laughs> yes yes be, be, be sensible and treat them as normal you know normal people normal in inverted commas and um that's what appeals to to someone like charlie i think you know is that's what he yeah what, what he was really looking for you know, in his room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, exactly. And I'm glad I've said this before too. I'm, I'm glad I met him when I was older and a little more yeah, established in my, in my uh, professional life than if I'd met him when I was younger. I,
1: yeah. <laughs> he would have been that guy.
0: Yeah. I would have been that guy. That, that yeah, would have been, that that been yeah. it for me. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah. But I, I also, Paul, I want to just, um, you know, I just want to say that this, uh, I think this book is great for really understanding and, you know, we've talked about this too, but really kind of understanding so much about Charlie that I think for a lot of people, they don't, you know, they'll never know about him. Hmm. Um, you know, his, his jazz roots, I think have been talked about, but I mean, you sure. you get really deep into that as well too, which is great.
1: Yes. I mean, it's, um, it, again, this is an invaluable thing of uh, being able to talk to his family, you know, who, um, it's so beautifully down to earth. Um, and they, you know, Seraphina and, and and Charlotte, they're both aware that Charlie was a, you know, he was an unusual man in in many ways, um, and there was no suggestion of sort of glossing it over or trying to sort of pretend that he was something that he wasn't. And a lot of the time, that's it came out in just these very funny stories. You know, you mentioned Bill, and you know, his his great thing from, and we we we've met many times before, but uh, you know, this is obviously was a very different sort of a conversation. And he said to me that he identified, you know, he and Charlie became great friends very quickly, not just because they were beginning the process of becoming this incredible rhythm section, but because they were both OCD, you know, they had the same sort of mm. obsessive <laughs> um, tendencies. Um, yes. And, yeah. you know, and that does come out in some of Bill's stories and also, you know, Charlotte's and the hilarious things she said about, um, <laughs> you know, you'd be out on a country, uh, out with him for a country walk. You know, and then you suddenly find that he was kind of a quarter of a mile further back because he was tidying all the twigs onto the side of The Verge, you know, and uh, <laughs> like, really <laughs> oh, obsessive, yeah. but in a very endearing kind of way, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Christ- mean, at somebody... Christmas time, you know, a piece of wrapping paper would never even barely make it to the floor because he'd be there picking it up and tidying it away. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and her messing with his socks and his sock the socks. And oh, God, yeah. <clears> all those things.
1: Verbitize Bur- and... Bur- anybody yeah. who messes with Charlie's socks. <laughs>
0: No, I, you've done an amazing job, and also I was going to mention. I, I started to say too, the his jazz background, and that you were able to speak mm. with his sister too, and really yes. get that that yeah. firsthand account of like you know young Charlie. That's right. I had yes. never you know read so much information about him as a as a young person. No,
1: that's right, and and thank you for 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 mentioning it because Linda, uh, I mean, again, a, a, a lovely. A lovely thing that happened was that, um, you know, she that she I mean, a lot of people she's so low profile. A lot of people don't even realize that Charlie had a sister um, yeah. and she had never spoken to the press about him ever. This is the first. And she's uh, three years younger than than, than Charlie. Um, so this was the first. And I went up to see her and her husband um, a little bit about an hour, hour and a half drive out of, out of town. And, um, you know, I could tell uh, quite understandably, we'd spoken on the phone and they'd agreed to see me but you know i could tell they were nervous you know they were they have no idea who i was i mean they just maybe it heard something about me or the fact that i was you know had connections with the stones or whatever um but they didn't have to do that you know and they were again they were incredibly generous and and very the thing really important thing to remember i, I found all the way through is it's all very well for for someone like me to come in and say right tell me your memories you know here, give me all the good stuff and you think yeah we lost one of our favorite um stars artists musicians but they lost a brother or a, a father or grandfather you know and it was all still very raw at that time you know so to, to for them to give me that access just from that point of view alone was was quite something and she did yeah you're right she she talked about those um those early years you know living in the prefab in in yeah. a tiny little place uh in in Wembley and um how what a humble upbringing that was you know yeah he, absolutely. He remained yeah. for all of his wealth and taste. Uh, he um he he, he never he, I don't think he changed as a person at all. You know, he was as it was as a matter of fact and down to earth at the very end as he was uh, you know as a young man, and that's absolutely that's, that's a it, rare thing it sure
0: is. that's exactly how I would put it too. i mean, it, it's he he never forgot about his humble beginnings and no. and certainly didn't flaunt
1: his um no that's right didn't assume anything either um i don't remember there's a point where he uh i tell a story about somebody um just a a a fan who wrote him a letter uh inviting to a to an event or their gig or something and he wrote back and the fact that he wrote back at all is amazing but what i loved about that was he 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 finished the letter you know this is like they're at the height of their fame or whatever and he finishes the letter by saying, yours truly, Charlie Watts, drummer, Rolling Stones. <laughs> as if, as if we didn't know. Yep. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Brilliant.
0: Oh man, I, the best, you the know, best. as he said about Ginger, I'll say about
1: him, right. the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you all the way on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Paul,
0: thank you so much for being here today. This is uh,
1: John. Been, my great pleasure.
0: It's, oh, It's been my pleasure and, and an honor to have you here today. And I, and, Everybody, we had a lot of folks watching and commenting, and uh, right, and really positive. So many people are saying they love the book, and
1: and oh, that's you know, lovely, sir. No, yeah, and congratulations. Forgot to say great T-shirt by the way. I hope somebody's picked up on that because it's
0: <laughs> yeah. I, before I brought you on, a, a few folks noticed this, and and uh, yeah. I, I do wear I wear this on gigs to yeah bring me luck. You know, <laughs> it's. it's yeah. I um. I, I just, I'll tell you one last funny thing. I, I might've told you this as well. When I, I'd taken an absence from playing f- drums for a while and I got into this band and I remember calling Charlie to ask him because my band was playing uh, Painted Black and I called to say, um, Charlie, you know, I have a question about <laughs> Painted Black. And I said, and I, you know, I was that guy for a second. I said, yeah. are you playing quarter notes or eighth notes in the tom-tom? I said, I'm just having a hard time getting the feel. And he just, he went... He laughed. He said, Oh, John, that's, it's so simple. You know, you can play, anyone can play that. He said, just don't play it too fast. (laughs) And I just thought that was, you know, this, you know, typical Charlie. Typical Charlie
1: playing it. Yeah. yeah. Playing it down. Always. Anyone can do it. It's nothing. nothing I'm not doing anything special, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Amazing.
0: Well, Paul, thank you. If you, if you just hang with me for one second, we'll say goodbye in the room, but I'll, I'll end the broadcast. Everyone, thank you so much for watching. And thanks to my guest, Paul Sexton, author of Charlie's Good Tonight on HarperCollins. And you can get this on Amazon and probably anywhere where, where you get books. So please get it if you don't already have it. It's a fabulous book. You'll love it. I promise you.